Under the Influence podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Eckes, a serial entrepreneur and social media guru that has an infatuation with all things business related. On the show, we bring together brands, creators, and thought leaders to discuss the power of influence. Each episode is jam-packed with learnings, firsthand stories, and conversations from guests that truly have their finger on the pulse. Stay tuned as we dive into the stories and explore the impact they're making by getting under the influence. Okay, I feel like I got a feel like I got a celebrity on the show today. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I am like beyond excited that we were able to land this opportunity. I really truly feel like we have we have a CBG celebrity in the house. And he lives up. He lives up to his name. He lives up to the hype. And I'm just so pumped to have him on the show. So I want to welcome on Jake Carls. He is one of the co-founders of Midday Squares. He refers to himself as the rainmaker and resident social personality of the brand. You guys, I got the opportunity to meet Jake at an event in LA. And I really have just been following Midday Squares since even before I started to get super, before I got kind of really deeply involved in the CPG space. And I don't know, I, I just kind of saw their come up story. And I think one of the one of the things that Midday Squares is known for, but also something that I just have been so inspired by is their true transparency of sharing it all. In fact, it's something that makes the brand so strong because of the ability of people to relate and to see their story firsthand and to really resonate with the founders. So what exactly is Midday Squares? Midday Squares is a high-protein chocolate bar and literally... It's something that they created to enjoy during the middle of your day, right? Like a midday snack, a midday pick-me-up. And they are going up against one of the hardest dessert markets, which is the chocolate industry, and doing it their way. So I couldn't say more things about how awesome this episode is, except for the fact that Jake is also someone that has just really come to light as this personality, but also as such an inspiration for other CPG brands and or entrepreneurs looking to start their own business and looking at their brand from a new perspective. And one of the things that I admire most about Jake is that he's just done everything his own way. And I think that that cuts through the noise and through the saturation being that he's so just authentically himself right down to his Instagram stories, to the things he wears, to all of his, you know, his collection of rad sunglasses. Like he's just someone that is so much fun and I'm so honored to have him on the show. So without further ado, let's welcome Jake Carls to the show. Hello everyone. Welcome to Under the Influence podcast. You guys today, I have on just the coolest guest and like coolest doesn't even like doesn't even cover it because Jake, you have just made like CPG this like fun, sexy, interesting way to take on an actual grocery style brand business. And I was just so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, you guys. Jake Carls from Midday Squares. Jake, how are you? Whitney, oh, that fires me up. Making CPG sexy. That's the hottest thing I've heard. <laughs> I might even use that in our next marketing campaign because I agree with you. The CPG consumer package world, the consumer goods package world is just, it needs more energy. It needs more like emotional connection. It needs something that like the cosmetic world was having and the fashion world. So 
what we are trying to do at Midday Square, the company I founded with my sister, my brother-in-law, is build a chocolate company that's cool, fun, different, culturally relevant, and something that's actually relatable, right? And I think that you see it so much at companies that like sell at Sephora or brands like Nike, where they tell a great story that creates that emotional connection with the consumer. So I always say our thesis is to build fans rather than build customers. And why? A fan will go such a long way for you if they care about your brand. If they don't care, they're just going to buy your product and they'll buy it just for the sake of buying it. But if you get a fan, they're going to shout your brand out whenever they can. They're going to get you new retailers. They're going to get you new customers. They're going to get you into the media. They're going to introduce you to people because they want you to win and they're part of your journey. I I mean, wow, way to way to knock it out of the gate. I couldn't have said it better myself. And I love that you're tapping into this because Midday Squares has this feel and has this look where it does almost like pull in a little bit of this fashion, this kind of rock star brand, which again, you said this really interesting term in a TechCrunch article where you're like, I'm not trying to like go after the typical playbook of food and beverage brands. I really want to create something different here. And I really want it to be disruptive and even so disruptive that you're reaching for your midday square, you know, in between you looking at your phone all day, which is you're just kind of tapping into this culture and to the way that the world is today and making it fun and playful and different. I think people really resonate with that. Well, here's the thing, like you said it right, like humans today want to connect with brands at a human level. And some people disagree with me on that statement, but I really am for this. And what I've noticed is the more humanized you are and authentic, the more you have a chance of building trust. Trust is something you cannot purchase. So if you build trust with a consumer, you're likely going to have them do a lot more than just buy your product. For us in Midday Squares, our vision at the beginning was in order to break through this, this, this crazy chocolate industry, which is $142 billion annually in chocolate snacking and dominated by 10 brands, we're going to need to do something very different. We don't have the budgets that these companies have. So what we had was the ability to gain the attention of the consumer better than they can. Even if they're spending $200 million on marketing and we're spending a million, we have an ability to get the attention better because we're telling a better story, something that actually relates, something that actually means something to the consumer. And what I told my partners was, was if we act like a rock band, a girl or a boy band, similar to like Backstreet Boys or Spice Girls of the 90s, and we create our story, each of us, we have our own story, but instead of selling records, we sell the chocolate bar as the item, but we act like a band, it will create a sense of relatability, a sense of, I'm a fan of this person, so I want to, therefore, I want to buy their product. I want to support them by buying their product. Mm-hmm. So my partners and I started filming, documenting everything. Like I'm talking about, you know, moments of breakdowns, therapy sessions, traveling, you know, in our homes, everything that a consumer typically doesn't see in a company, we wanted to show. And from that moment, four and a half years ago, we have 35 terabytes of content of <laughs> things that have happened. Wow. So, okay. So let's, let's go back here for a second. So why chocolate? Out of all the food and beverage brands that you could go after, out of all the snacking categories, why did you guys choose the chocolate industry? Okay, this is really important. So you're right. We could have chosen any other industry. Candy, uh, you know, overnight oats, yogurts, whatever you want. There's so many, right? There's 40,000 products on a shelf in a grocery store, sorry. And chocolate we, we read a report early on that dark, that darker chocolate was actually growing at like 40% year over year and that vegan protein, plant proteins were also on a tear. My sister was actually making this midday square snack as a hobby for many years before the brand actually launched. She was making it as a snack for herself and her husband, my brother-in-law, and they were just eating it for fun. And when we read this report that those two categories were growing really fast within a saturated market, 
we knew that people are going to want this product because the trends were showing that, right? And when you look at chocolate as a whole, chocolate snacking, it's 142 billion. But health bars, so snack bars, are about 22 billion. If you just take the hybrid of them in a Venn diagram, it's a huge market. So we said to ourselves, if we go after a saturated market, but create an innovation within the saturated market, we actually have a chance of winning because education is not required. People already know what a chocolate bar is and they know what a protein bar is. So if you just make a hybrid, then you, you don't have that much education to do, right? So let's say it's an indulgence meets function. So th- I think that's really important for any entrepreneur listening to this or anyone in the business is make sure you have product market fit. Use data to build your product and make sure that you actually have something. Don't just do a random thing out of nowhere because the odds are so low of winning if that's the case. So well said. And I love that you guys backed it up with data and even like looking at the Venn diagram of the two categories, because I think, again, too, people reach for midday squares because they see chocolate, right? But then you guys, and you guys lead with this beautiful marketing strategy. You know, there's authenticity from the team. You have, again, that rock star feel, but then there's also so much function behind actually the product itself. And I kind of love that you guys, again, we're seeing a lot more functional CPG brands come to the market right now. And they always have, they're really starting to kind of, you know, get their traction. But I like that you guys are leading with the playfulness first and then backing it up with the function afterward. Was that always in, always the way it was? Or did you guys have to pivot and kind of learn where you wanted to take the actual messaging and the vision of the brand? Product is always first at our company. So in the end, on our marketing, it's actually 10% of the time in the marketing. But the idea was create a really good fucking product that has product market fit. And then basically create a story, lead with media as the first in terms of like a media first company and tell a story that relates, you know, not just talk to you about, Hey, our chocolate bar tastes good. And it's, you know, six grams of protein, four grams of fiber. No, that doesn't matter to people. That's just, that's numbers. That's facts. That's boring. So what I told my partners is if we're going to win this market and we're going to win big or try to win big, we need to tell a story that's relatable. And that was kind of like, let's create this reality show on entrepreneurship. So now the playfulness and all that stuff is how we lead the company. But at the end of the day, the company was founded on a product that we knew would have product market fit. So if you have just a great story and you're a celebrity or you have a lot of influence and you create a product that has no product market fit, you're likely gonna fail over time. If you create a product that actually is foundationally strong and you have a great storytelling capability, your sky's the limit. But if you just have a great product and no storytelling, you're gonna have a very hard time winning as well. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go back to this kind of reality show element. Because again, over the last couple of years, we've seen such a trend of brands really wanting to step or people really wanting to step out in front of the brands, right? Really wanting to show it all with that authentic transparency. But you guys have shown it all, like right up to your $400,000 machine breaking to everything else. What what impacted that decision? Because I feel like it's not always easy to show the highs and the lows, right? Like social media is such a highlight reel that when you guys do show, you know, the hard stuff, I'm sure you also receive criticism or pushback or anything like that. So what led you guys to that decision of being so transparent and so authentic in showing how you built the brand? So yeah, you're, what's crazy is, is so showing everything it for us was a way to be very radically transparent. And that basically gives us the ability to build a friendship with the consumer where the consumer feels like when they go to the store, they know us, they know the brand and they feel like they're buying from a friend. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that was to really get them to know us as humans and get to know us personally. And that meant documenting and showing everything like a reality show does 
And, you know, showing just good stuff is fun and all, but at the end of the day, like that's not real world. Real world is good, bad, ugly. And if we just show the good, the bad, the ugly, we'll build that trust and that sense of relatability and friendship, which was our vision. And at the end of the day, that's been the game plan. And we've continued to portray that as we scale and it's gotten us into trouble. It's gotten us people to, you know, troll us, give us hate. But at the end of the day, you don't need everybody. You need 50% 50% that love you, 50% that don't care about you. And the reason being is there's seven plus billion people in the world. You don't need 7 billion. You need people that actually care about what you're doing and to be part of it rather than have people that dislike you and don't want to be part of it and are mean to you and, and trying to get them on your side. It's too much work. So you might as well obsess with the people that love you and create the message that resonates with them. I could not agree more. Now, I want to ask you this follow-up question. Do you feel like every brand could do this? Because I feel like the more and more that we see this, sometimes brands want to show up in this transparent, authentic way, but it doesn't always work for them. So do you feel like every brand should be doing this on social media? Like, what's your take on looking at the landscape right now? I don't think that every brand should do it. I think that the brands that understand their authenticity and their story should do whatever that means is their story. So I think that you as a brand or you as an individual need to understand what is true to you. So for us, it was in our DNA and blood to share everything. That's what we wanted. That was what we did day one. So it's not different than our strategy from today till you know five years ago. I think a lot of brands try to just jump on this like idea of just like radical transparency, but it's not authentic to what the brand stands for. So it's weird. It sounds cringe. So I think if I were to give any advice to anybody, and I'm, not, I'm no expert, but I think you should try to find your authenticity and then, then figure ways to blow that up. And that can mean that if you're a sports beverage drink, talk about the athletes. Like, you know, Nike talks about the underdog and the story and motivation of just, you know, being an underdog and winning. That's their authentic story that they stay true to. And that's why they're so successful. They start doing random other things. It would kind of create this weird, inauthentic, inefficient, you know, method of telling a story. And I think that brands get too caught up trying everything. They need to narrow in on what's their authenticity and then tell that story. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And you know, what's funny is we've we've seen social media, right? Social media, I feel like is back up on this kind of incline of where we're going to go. We just saw, you know, TikTok rise. Now we're seeing threads and we've seen other smaller social media apps like Lemonade and whatever come to market. But I, what was interesting was with threads, these brands that showed up on threads that were already kind of showcasing their personality and it came very, very natural immediately just started thriving on threads. And the brands that weren't kind of tapped into this marketing strategy were almost overwhelmed that they have to do, they had to be on another social media platform. Are you guys on threads? What what did you think about that whole drop? Listen, I think threads had a lot of hype. Yeah, in theory, it was, it made sense. I think in practice, it's going to come down. I think in the end, Twitter will win that battle. And the reason why I say that is because Twitter has a base um, that's already on there. And I think Reds had all this excitement, but then people like, they got excited. Everyone was not talking about it. The FOMO was there. And then suddenly you start to see a lot of people less talking about it now, right? So I think it was a pump. And then I think it's actually going to come down. We went on threads with the excitement. And to us, we tell our story. So for us, we do the same strategy more or less per platform. Hype, a little sense of differences just to please the platform functionality. But Overall, the storytelling is still the more or less the same arc, right? Yeah, we tried it. It worked a little bit and I don't think we're doing it anymore. I'm not sure if my team's doing it anymore, but I don't know. For me, I think there's too many platforms. There's too many things. That's too many things trying to grab attention. And if you want to grab people's attention today, 
You just need to get a good story. And if you share that story, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's Instagram, whether it's threads, whether it's Twitter, whether it's you know Facebook, whether it's TikTok, you'll win if you focus on a great story. Stay consistent, tell that story. It might not reward you right away, but over time, if you stay consistent and tell that story, you will get rewarded. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I feel like, again, as we're as we're moving in this direction, it's becoming so overwhelming to try to put yourself on every single platform. And I think we're also seeing a lot of brands trying to do that instead of what you're saying, which is finding your vertical, finding where your people are and kind of doubling down on said platform that makes the most sense for you or where you're really getting the most traction, right? Exactly. Focus. Listen, not every company has the resources of like uh, Hershey's, right? We as brands need to figure out what is our best? What do we do best? How can we obsess with that and dominate that? And whether that's just two platforms, one platform, I think that that's the game you got to play. I think being everywhere diminishes the returns that you're going to have because it diminishes the quality and the effort that you're going to put into each platform. I think if you put the right amount of energy into the platform, you could succeed. But if you start putting, you know, breaking your energy down into six platforms, you know, without the team that you need to do that, you're in trouble. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Get Super is an instant wellness beverage brand created by moi. So good, you won't believe it's instant. It's for those seeking convenient energy sans the jitters. That's right. We put good old fashioned broad spectrum hemp CBD into our organic Arabica instant coffee. It's probably Arabica, but I call it Arabica because it sounds more fun. Get super and our hemp extract contains all the naturally occurring cannabinoids and turpentines. We include about 20 milligrams of hemp per each stick pack to give you all the fun, calm energy, plus that true entourage effect. All the benefits without getting quote unquote high, as all of our products are non-psychoactive. Get Super has been featured in Forbes US Today and was named top startup to watch in 2021 by Yahoo Finance. Also, you guys, Get Super has helped me with my anxiety. It helps me sleep better at night. I've mentioned to you guys my whole mental health journey. And honestly, this company was a just passion and project of love because of what I've gone through and what I've walked through with my own depression and anxiety. I hope that it will help you the same exact way it has helped me. So go ahead and get your 15% off by using the code under the influence 15 at checkout. That's right. Under the influence 15 at checkout. What has been the biggest learning lesson of you guys being on social media as a brand and as founders that you guys have learned over the years? Like what was the biggest learning lesson? I think two things. Comparing yourself to other people is dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. So obsessed with your own base. Like, you know, like for, for us, it's like if you if we obsess with just our, cu- our customer base and focus on them, we don't need to worry about anything else. There's nothing else to worry about. That's who we want to give the best experience. Number two is the more authentic you are on social media, the more powerful you are. And what that means is people are craving authenticity right now. We as humans need that to exist. Um, That's been around for as long as we've been human. And social media has amplified, unfortunately, an idea of perfection, which is not really the true sense of reality, right? And if you're that brand or you're that individual about to go on social media or, or already have it, start flaring in some authenticity, you're going to start to see people really appreciate what you're putting out there because that is what they actually, whether they say they're looking for it or not, is what they're looking for. 
again, couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, I feel like you're so dialed into your consumer and to your audience. And again, I love that you're talking about really focusing on them versus trying to keep up with everyone else. And I think that's hard on social media, right? Especially as an entrepreneur, we're always kind of looking at what everyone else is doing. We're trying to find, you know, the best tips and tricks to grow and to be as successful and make our brand as successful as possible. But sometimes that's almost more of a distraction than it is, you know, kind of like a strength, right? And I I completely agree. So I want to turn this to your side of entrepreneurship. Because again, you guys have created something that has just surpassed, you know, a standard quote unquote startup. And you have really identified yourself as a main player in this category. What was it like creating this and then bringing it to something where Hershey's is interested? You have this major, you know, following and community. What has that been like going from startup mode to where you guys are now? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. So the whole journey has been, every chapter is different. You know, year zero, year one, year one to year two, year three to year four. You know, we learn a lot, we see a lot. And as a business, you do need processes put in place to go through certain things for scale, right? And I think the key that the most important thing about the whole journey is that you want to stay true to yourself. You must have a vision that you are aligned with, with your partners. And if you veer off that, that's when things start to go sour over time. And I think that what we've noticed is, is if we believe in the same vision we believe in since day one, we'll execute it together. But if we don't, if we start to change that, things change. Because again, process needs to come in. It's it's a sense of bureaucracy. And I'm all against bureaucracy. But I realize when you're scaling a business, certain things need the bureaucracy and 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 uh, process-driven stuff. And that kind of hinders the, the, the joyfulness or the time that you had before that was completely different, right? So yeah, I think that, I don't know, for us, social media... I look at it very different than I did day one. I used to care what people think, you know, about me. I used to care when trolls would say like, I'm ugly or we're shit, we're loser business. I don't care anymore. It's a them problem. I've learned that it's a them problem and I can help them. I try to actually engage with the trolls in a very positive way saying, hey, you know, how can I help? Are you okay? Like, you know, like a lot of them are suffering, unfortunately. And I feel that 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 type of mindset has been the change through the social media, going through it and seeing how uncomfortable the world actually is, to be honest with you. And the more you put yourself out there, Whitney, the more you open yourself up to a ton of hate and a ton of and a ton of love. So it's 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 a double-edged sword that you must accept going into as you grow and grow. Yeah. I, I mean, I could not imagine. I, I feel like again, what you guys have done is so transparent and authentic. Like I gravitate toward it. I'm a fan of it. You know, my team's a fan of it. People that are in my circle are a fan of it. But I also can see that from the other side where it's like there's parts of the internet that could be so dark and it can be such a weight on you guys, especially as entrepreneurs, right? You guys have your vision, you have your mission, you have your day-to-day of what you need to be focused on. And that also can serve as a huge distraction of just constant feedback or constant criticism. So I think what you guys have done, I mean, it's absolutely admirable. And I also think that, the good outweighs the bad, right? The, the connections that you guys have created, just like what you were saying, like the 50% of those that love you, those are the 50% of that following of those of those consumers that love the brand, that are going to support the brand. They are here to support you. They have a relationship with you guys and connection with you guys. So I can I can absolutely see that being being really interesting. As someone that has created something so influential. And again, I want to, I really want to tap into this because I think that you guys have this power of influence, whether or not you guys talk about it or you recognize it, I see it from an outside perspective. 
Who was someone that was really influential into your life as you were building Midday Squares? You know, or what was it a brand or who who was like kind of like your inspiration or someone that you were kind of looking to while you were building this? So I have two. So Nike as a brand has definitely been, you know, they're great storytellers and they have cool products, in my opinion. So they have product market fit and great storytelling. So that was a big inspiration. The second one is an unpopular opinion, I, I believe to a certain extent, is 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 just the idea of Elon Musk being un- unapologetically himself. I think mm. watching a CEO be the wackiest he is, like good and bad, both sides, I don't agree with everything he does, but I can agree, I can respect that he's unapologetic and what that gave me the confidence to do is be myself and hopefully try to win in this industry by disrupting and, you know, being proud of who I am and not changing that, right? Obviously, I'm a kind soul and all that stuff. So, you know, I lead with an open heart. But I think that that he kind of showed me that, you know, watching him, he's been through scrutiny, he's done things wrong, he's done things right. And, you know, he pushes through. And I get it. He's a, tri- he's a billionaire and all this stuff and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, I relate to him at the sense where he's true to himself. And, I think that that's something that a lot of people in this world are lacking. And um, I'm not saying if you stand for everything, you really stand for nothing. And like, I think for me, like I learned who I was throughout time. And when you watch these people, these other entrepreneurs out there, I just take bits and pieces um, from each person. I take the things I like about them and I kind of say, hey, well, how does that work with me? Like, is that, do I relate to that? Do I not? And that's helped me build my character to be who I am today. And Till this day, I still look for more people like, you know, that are inspiring characters and I find them on social media. I find them, I get to meet them at events. And those people are my, are my cronies, you know, like a big fan of mine is an investor in our company is Mike Fada. He started a company called Manitoba Harvest and he's just, he's just a machine and I love being around him. And same thing with our, one of our board members, David Cinnamon, just a cowboy entrepreneur that he, mm-hmm. um, he's himself and it makes me feel, it almost makes me feel permission to be myself every day which is such a weird thing because it shouldn't be permission. I mean, that's beautiful and so well said. I think that's really interesting that you have felt such a freedom in building the brand and being an entrepreneur. I feel like that I can see that in certain entrepreneurs, but I don't always see it in most, you know? And I think a lot of times too, finding that passion, feeling free in your authenticity of who you are is kind of the goal, right? Especially for those that are building and working on something that they want to serve the greater good, but they also want to feel like they're able to show up and be themselves with or without scrutiny. And again, in today's world, I feel like that's really difficult. That's really hard to achieve. So to hear that you have done that, I feel like is so inspiring. And to hear that you feel that is also, you know, just motivating, right? To kind of break through whatever bullshit we're dealing with on the other side for those either building a business or have a startup or that are in, you know, their 10th year of owning their business. As an entrepreneur, and as you're looking at the space right now, what are you seeing? What are some trends? What do you, what, give me, give me some hot takes on where you think maybe the CPG industry is going, or maybe what disruptions you think are coming? I think the most important thing is you're seeing brands humanize more. Uh, there's a lot of brands taking a new approach to appreciation of content creation and like being creative. I think that you're starting to realize that they're not so much doing the, you know, flushing everything down your throat and promoting features and benefits and perfection, but they're actually showing you, hey, here's a story that we'll try to create that will hopefully resonate with you. And I think as we continue to iterate and iterate and iterate, you're going to get more brands that are way better creators and storytellers. And that's going to create a better, cool environment for the consumer where they have like a bunch of brands that are actually meaningful to them in the CPG space. And that's where I'm seeing everything going. And if you're not doing that, then you're missing an opportunity to build fans that will be there hopefully for a very long time. And um, I think that you got to be out of your mind not to invest in that. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. I think that those are the brands too that I'm reaching for when I go to the grocery store, right? Um, again, I, I feel like we kind of saw, you know, our parents, our parents' parents' generation really buying the household names, right? They were reaching for the tides. They were reaching for the dawns. They were reaching for those things where it was like this promise of being as big of a corporation as possible that had trustworthiness to it. And now we're kind of seeing the shift of, well, I actually want to know the people that are behind the brand, that are inside the brand. And that's what actually proves the trustworthiness of the product itself. And that's what I'm reaching for. And I see that, I feel that, and I think that you're absolutely spot on. I, I 100% agree. And I think that you're going to see the next five years, the whole game of marketing change. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so Jake, what is one piece of advice that you would give someone that maybe is in their entrepreneurial journey or that is looking to start their own brand or just wants to go into CPG? I think if you're if you're going to start a business, really understand that pressure is going to be is not something you want to work against, but you want to be an ally. And if you have the ability to withstand immense amount of pressure, you're going to have a great chance at winning in life. If you, in this game of life, this entrepreneurship game, if you don't, then don't go into this space. Don't go into this game because it is brutal. Odds are stacked tremendously against you. And pressure is the thing that's the most common denominator for if all entrepreneurs will tell you. And, you know, at first I thought building a business was just fun and games. And then I realized that the pressure is so stressful, but I learned to not fight it rather than fight it, be its friend. And it's helped me a lot. Yeah, that's beautiful. What are some ways to, I just want to, I want you to elaborate on that because I think that there's something there and, you know, I've been diving in a lot to my mindset work and I, I talk about it a lot on the podcast of finding that these different mindset shifts that actually help you working through these things inside of your own brand. What are some ways that you don't fight it? Like, what are some ways that you kind of let it flow? Use tools. Like I see a therapist twice a week. That helps me work through really difficult conversations and, and understanding and perspective that I need. I think that that's one tool if you could afford it. It's a luxury, but it should be a necessity, I believe. Yeah. The second thing is realizing the more pressure that, the, the longer you withstand the pressure, the more reward you get. So if if you think like that, you know, you know that at the end of it, there's something beautiful, whether it's a failure or a win. And why I say failure is failure is a learning opportunity. That's that's an invaluable learning opportunity. So that's why pressure leads to that. And I think pressure leads to also, if you look at another industry, how are diamonds made? I think through pressure and mm-hmm. diamonds are so valuable. Mm-hmm. Wow. Absolutely. Jake, you have been so awesome. And I loved having your energy on the show. Um, I loved meeting you in person because it was the same energy and it was just a vibe and it was great. So before before we wrap up and we drop all the links and all the fun things, I want to ask you one last question. I ask everyone this question on the show and that is, what does influence mean to you? The ability to connect at a deep level. That's what it means. Mm. I think that that's insanely powerful. And also too, I mean, you've been able to connect with your consumers. You've been able to connect with you know, your own community and you continue to do things in a way where it brings people together and brings people to the brand. And I think that that's so powerful. And honestly, I'm so honored you came on the show. So honored that I got to have 30 minutes of your time to ask you all of my burning questions that selfishly I've been wanting to ask. Before we end, Drop all the handles, all the links. Where can everyone find you? I know you guys have a podcast now. So yeah. tell us where everyone can listen to all things Midday Squares. 
Uh, midday squares, TikTok, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. We're very strong on Facebook. If you like, um, we do have a podcast, midday squares uncentered, but if you want to connect me personally, follow me on LinkedIn, message me, Jake Carls. I'm very active on there. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to connecting with anybody who wants to chat, to be honest with you. And you'll see, if you watch midday squares, you're going to get a glimpse of behind the scenes of entrepreneurship at a very deep level. Love it. Jake, thank you so much for going under the influence with us. Appreciate you, Whitney. Thank you. 